we'll continue our series uh, through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And this morning, the focus of our attention will be in verse 14. Before that, I'd like to read the chapter, make a prayer there, thereafter. We shall consider verse 14. I'll read Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, and he might, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt, through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, 
for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Before we continue, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are our God and you've ordained the scriptures as the means of salvation and as the means of upholding your people in the faith. And this morning, Lord, we are seeking to honor your name, to faithfully expound your word. We pray that you may help us, for we are such a needy people. We are blind of eye and dull of ear. We pray that you may quicken us by your Holy Spirit, that you may illumine our hearts and our minds to receive your word with meekness. Grant, Lord, that we may not hear, merely be hearers of your word, but also be doers. Help that your word will be preached faithfully. Grant me, Lord, your grace to faithfully handle your word of truth. Help me, Lord, to preach as to dying men. And help my hearers as well to be faithful in hearing your word. And what good is it, Lord, to hear your word and have little fruit? We pray that this word may have effect in, your, in the lives and the hearts of your people. And for those who do not know Christ, Lord, we pray that you may invade their hearts and subdue them, Lord, from the, the, the God of this world. Rescue them, Lord, from their wickedness and help them, Lord, to receive and to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant us your grace as we will continue to worship you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. In the second half of this book, the first half contains uh, contains indicatives, contains the doctrine. Now in the second half, you have imperatives. In view of this doctrine, in view of salvation, in view of what God has done in Christ, Paul from verse 1 of chapter 4 says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And it's going to instruct us on how we should walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we have received. And last time we considered verse 12 and 13. We consider the purpose 
of the ministry gifts given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And consider the first purpose. Why does Christ descend here on earth? Why does he die on the cross for our sins? Why does he ascend to heaven and gives gifts to his church? The first purpose we saw is that it is to equip the saints for the work of service. That these ministry gifts, specifically here, these teaching gifts that are given to the church is for the equipping, for the training, for the preparation of the people of God for the work of service. So that God's people are trained for every good work. And then secondly, we considered that as the church of Christ is equipped for every good work, that the purpose of this ministry is to build up the body of Christ. And we saw this, that this building up is corporately. This is not, uh, this is not uh, individually. This is corporately. As the saints are equipped, the church of Christ is built up. It is established. It is edified. It is strengthened. It is developed. And then thirdly, we saw in verse 13, the ultimate purpose for these gifts. That these gifts, the end goal of this gift is Christian maturity. And we saw that this Christian, this Christian maturity entails two things in verse 13. It entails that we all attain to the unity of the faith. And we saw that because of the fall, we will not ultimately agree on, on everything. But on those basic foundational truths, as we grow as a church, what happens? All of us attain, grow into the unity of the faith, that we agree more and more on the doctrines of truth. And then secondly, we saw that this doctrine as well, this, uh, this Christian maturity entails the second thing there. It entails the knowledge of the Son of God. That believers grow and mature into deeper knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw that we, we can never uh, fully attain the place of full perfection of this knowledge. Uh, that uh, Christ is infinite and we are finite and we are always chasing the infinite and we can never uh, reach its end. And so to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You notice the language used there is singular. It is speaking to the whole church that all of us reach this mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we saw that he's not talking about the physical Christ, it is talking about the spiritual Christ, that we reach this stature. And this stature is talking about the character, the perfections of Christ, his love, his obedience, his faithfulness, that we grow into more Christ-likeness. This morning, continue from verse 14, and you could say that this is one of the fruit of this ministry gifts. This is what comes out from the ministry gifts. And he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, 
in deceitful schemes. You notice from this verse that Paul continues with the same theme of maturity. But this time you notice that it is put in a negative form. Why does he do that? He does that to demonstrate to us that spiritual maturity is an ongoing process. This is something that is progressive. It shall continue until the day we see Christ. The day that we shall be like him. We shall never attain perfection in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul encourages us here in verse 14 is to press on towards the mark. Let us strive, let us stretch every muscle to reach that ultimate goal. He wants us to grow from infancy to maturity. We must press on to spiritual maturity so that we are no longer children. The sermon is titled, No Longer Children. The sermon is titled, No Longer Children, and we shall look at three aspects uh, that characterizes children. And the first thing is spiritual instability. Spiritual instability. And he says there that we're no longer children tossed to and fro. So there's instability, there's spiritual instability. And then secondly, we see the aspect of children failing to see the consequences of their decisions. And so the second point is inability to see consequences. Inability to see consequences. And then thirdly, we see that a child is unable to discern error. Inability to discern Error. And then he says at the end there, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, that they are not able to discern error. So we begin with the first point, spiritual instability. And what we see, if you notice, so that we may no longer be children. What you see in this verse is that all of us begin our Christian life as children. The phrase, no longer children, presupposes that we begin our Christian life as children. Becoming a Christian is a new life. It is a gradual change. I should say, as, as I begin, that there are two positive ways in which the Bible calls us to be children. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Jesus says, And I say, truly, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. You see, that is what we became. We became like children when we enter the kingdom of God. Children are dependent. Children are submissive. Children have no control of their lives. And so we are called to become as children in our dependency, in our submission. And then secondly, we are called to become as children from 1 Corinthians 14 verse 20. The Bible says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. So the second area we are called to become like children is the area of innocence in evil. Naivety in the matter of evil. That we, in malice, 
we are babies. But he calls us to be mature in the matter of knowledge and understanding. And so there is Christ, sorry, there is childlikeness that is encouraged in the Bible, but there is childishness that is discouraged. And so we are not to remain childish in the matter of truth, but we are to remain childlike in the matter of evil. And so, and as a church, as your elders, we continue to emphasize on the importance of doctrine, the importance of truth. Because if you see in this verse, if false doctrine was harmless, if false doctrine had no impact, then truth will be useless. But because there is error, this false doctrine, we must seek to maintain the purity of the word of God. And ultimately, wrong doctrine leads to wrong kind of thinking. And that will translate into wrong kind of living. So we become Christians. And all of us are the point of our salvation. We are spiritual babies, spiritual children. But when Christian. But when we, when we placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we turned away from our sins, repented and believed in Christ, at that point, the Bible says, we became a new creation. We became a new person. The old man died. The Bible says, sin no longer had any dominion over you. Yes, we agree Christians struggle in their sin, but Christians are not dominated by their sin. Because the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in them and strengthens them to overcome evil. So we enter as a child, but we must grow. We must grow in our Christian work. We can never be, remain to be children. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to renew us and to grant us growth and sanctification in our spiritual life. The Christian life is the life of God coming to live in the soul of man, renewing them, quickening them. What Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Peter is speaking to new converts and as newborn babes, as newborn children, he tells them that they ought to desire, they ought to yearn for the pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God. And it's only by the word of God, he says, that you may grow up into salvation. Peter says, for us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be fed. And we need to be fed with the pure spiritual milk. The pure spiritual milk is the word of God. It is unadulterated. It is perfect. It has no error. We, must, we cannot remain as children, friends. We must no longer be children. The thing we see here with instability, with children, is that they always find difficulty to walk. 
they try to run even before they try to walk. They're always wobbly. And that is true of the natural realm, and that is true of the spiritual realm. Those who are new in the faith are characterized by spiritual instability. They are tossed to and fro. These people are likened to a person riding a ship, and they have no knowledge of the winds of the sea, so that they are at the mercy of the, of the winds. They are easily knocked over. They are distracted easily. They are fickle. Children are fickle. They turn quickly from crying to laughing. Their mood changes quickly. They are impulsive. And they are always re reacting excessively. There is no moderation in their life. There is no sobriety. Children lack the experience to know what is significant and what is truly valuable. Children will cry for as something as little as a toy. Children cannot discern a good diet and unhealthy diet. They do not know what to eat and not, and, 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 and not what to eat. Their conception is not anything long term. They are constantly wanting something new, something that can entertain them. See, that is the same with spiritual children. They are fickle, easily distracted. They cannot discern between the good and the best. They are like a sheep tossed to and fro at the mercy of the storm. The word tossed there means that they are swung around in every direction by different winds. See, this is the characteristics of immature Christians. They are led by moods, emotions, feelings. They lack moderation. They are fickle. They have passion one moment, which dies out quickly. And you could say the evil one aims at their emotions and their feelings. But when they understand the gospel, the gospel focuses on the mind and the understanding of the truth. And they are caught up in the storm. They are swayed away by the winds of the storm. You see, this is a position of instability. And this is the chief characteristic found in a child. Second Peter 3.16 says, 3.16 and 17, he says, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do to other scriptures. And then verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. It's interesting that Peter writes over and over again about this issue of maturity, this issue of instability. And this was characteristic of him earlier in his part, early in, in the earlier part of his Christian life. It's interesting that when Jesus meets him for the first time, he, he calls him who? He calls him Cephas, which means the rock. Peter, the unstable one, was to become Peter the rock. And it will take him time. It will take him time to become the rock. And as you read in the gospel, Peter is always oscillating between two extremes. One moment you see him 
walking courageously on the surface of the water. One moment he loses focus and he sinks. One moment he's making this glorious confession that you're this you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. The next moment he's rebuking Christ whom he proclaims. One moment in the gospel he proclaims that he'll never leave Christ, he'll never forsake Christ. Just a few hours later, he denies of ever knowing Jesus Christ. You see, his entire life was characterized by instability. And this is character this is a mark of spiritual child. And this is demonstrated in the church today. And let me use the example of a child. The child always wants to be at the center of attention. The child never wants to be ignored. And that is the same tendency of unstable people. They always want to be in the limelight. They always want to be seen and heard. They want to receive all the attention. They want to be congratulated. They want to be patted at the back. They want to feel clever and important. They want everyone to be proud of them. They want people to look up to them. You see, nothing drives them angry than when they go unnoticed. And they do not get full recognition of all the things they deserve. This is a symptom of spiritual immaturity. Another manifestation can be seen in their love for anything exciting, anything spectacular and entertaining. Because children adore these kinds of things. We see naturally, children love circuses. They love entertained entertainment. They love colorful and exciting things. Love things that are fast moving. They are bored with anything that is still anything that is dark and gloomy. And sadly, this is a mark of Christians who are unstable. They have this lasting craving for things that they feel good. They're excited by this spontaneous, fast-moving thing. They want to be entertained. They want to, to laugh and sing and shout. And then secondly, you notice that children are unable to see the consequences of their decisions. Second point, inability to see consequences. So that the spiritual child is not only unstable, but they are gullible to deception. Isn't this true? Isn't this true of a child? They are on a path in which they do not know where they are going. They do not know where the path leads them. It is the mark of immaturity to live for the moment. Failure to understand that this line of action will lead to these damning consequences. And he wants us to be mature in the faith. That we are mindful of the decisions, of the path that we lead, of the desires that we have. That we are mindful of the decisions that we make. That we are careful not only to look at the consequences for today, but also for tomorrow. That you ask your question, yourself this question, that will this decision give me an immediate response? Will it gratify me for today and have damning consequences for tomorrow? You can think of Solomon. 
the wisest man who ever lived apart from Christ. And he made very poor decisions, marrying foreign wives, signing treaties with foreign nations. But he didn't realize the repercussions of his decisions in the long term. It looked great because the nation of Israel was succeeding. It was becoming very rich. It was the center of the world. But his decisions led him to led him astray from the Lord. We're told in scripture not to be quick as a church to lay hands on those we are appointing we are appointing to the office of an elder. But we are not to ordain a person in the rush. We have to realize the consequences of our actions. You need to know that person very closely. You cannot give authority to a man if you do not know his temperament. You cannot give authority to a man if you do not know how he will lead the congregation, how he will preach, how he will handle the word of God. You must see them first so that you can make an informed decision. And how true indeed was that of the church in Corinth? Some are saying, I follow Paul. Some are saying, I follow Apollos. And even today in the church, many people are going to church not because they want to hear the truth, but because of cultic figures. Because I'm following someone. Because there's this charismatic preacher. They have this magnet that is attractive. Some go to church because of mega buildings and all that is a sign of immaturity you see children are susceptible to deception and here we see that children do not know the consequences of their decisions because they are vulnerable they are in a precarious state and position and then thirdly tells us that children are prone to error, prone to deception. He says, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Notice here the graphic image the apostle uses. He tells us the reason why you should no longer be children is because children are vulnerable false teachers they are easily deceived they are easily deceived because of the trickery of these men you see these false teachers are experts they know how to manipulate you and they are very quick they are very subtle and while you are in your, in your ignorance while you are not watching carefully they deceive you they mislead you and take advantage of you and this picture of the, the human cunning by the craftiness in deceitful schemes is a picture of, of, a, of a predator. And it is hunting on the prey. And it is subtly pursuing it. It is lying in wait, ready to pounce on its prey. That is what false teachers do. At first glance, it may look appealing to you. 
what they are teaching you may look very nice, but it is harmful. You see, error and heresy comes from deep-seated wickedness. It emanates from the devil himself. It comes from the father of lies, the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You see, the work of false teaching and error is the work of demons. Paul tells Timothy that some will come with seducing spirits, teaching what? Doctrines of demons. You see, false teachers are dangerous people. Don't simply look at them as misguided. These people are peddling lies from the devil himself. We are surrounded by these errors, both in the church and outside the church. And as a child of God, if you're not equipped, if you have no knowledge or little knowledge and understanding of the word of God, you become vulnerable to these lies. You become easy prey for them. Any doctrinal lie sweeps you. And we've seen all kinds of people taken up by every wind of doctrine. They're always hoping from one church to another. They're always swayed by, around by every wind of doctrine. They're looking for something new. They're discovering a new way of worshipping. A new way of singing. They have no idea what is valuable. They have no idea what is garbage. These children, they are all, always looking up to prophecies. They're always looking up to material gain. And how easily are they unstable? Their views changes every day. So that if you have a Christian in the 19th century who could come to see the church today, many churches today, it will have been unthinkable for them that the church of Christ will sway away from the truth. You see, these false teachers they may come to the church, they may not oppose the faith outrightly, but they will come in the guise of believers. They will not contradict the faith. The Bible says the devil comes masquerading as the angel of light. These people will not come and cause violence in the church, but they will use your trickery. They will insinuate gimmicks, false doctrine, Gradually, and over and over again, false doctrine seeps into the church, and the church is poisoned. And as children, if you're a child in the faith, you have no control. You can easily be swayed around by every wind of doctrine. And here, every wind of doctrine refers to every doctrine that flows against the teachings that bring unity to the church. Remember the context. That these are teachings that threaten and dilute the unity of the church and the gospel. And Paul in Galatians chapter 1 tells them what? I'm so surprised that you're quickly turning away from the faith. In Romans chapter 16 verse 17, the Bible says, I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions 
and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught, avoid them. Verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord, our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Paul tells the Romans very clearly that you must avoid those people. Have nothing to do with them, because they deceive the hearts of the simple. The trickery of this man is they may come with an open Bible and misinterpret the Bible. And as spiritual babies, they are so attracted to short-term things, short-term things, glamorous, appealing, attractive things. See, the gospel is long-term. The gospel is not merely about temporal things. These people will come to captivate you with the temporary things. The gospel is about eternal matters. And there's a lot of craftiness. The system of the evil one is very much organized and it is behind Satan. And he will stop at nothing to deceive others. Deceive others with carnality, he can deceive others with false religion, he can deceive others with legalism. He has enough ammunition to trap those who are weak, those who are spiritual children. And the evil one wants us, wants you in bondage. And none of us here should think that we are not vulnerable. All of us. All of us need to have discernment. Number of applications. First one is to read study and meditate on the word of God. You see, it's only through the word of God that you become sharp enough to distinguish the truth from error. It's only through the word of God that you can make a difference between what is temporal and what is eternal. What is good and what is best. It's only through the word of God that you're not lured by your emotions but you're led by the truth and as you grow as you read as you grow in your word of God you mature and you establish in the faith and then secondly notice that Paul uses the word plural in this verse he says you no longer be children not child and so the mature church of God is one new man one new man in Christ and so it is very important for every individual every Christian here to read the word of God because as we read the word of God we grow together as a body corporate so that that growth can be personal it can be individual but the purpose of it is for the whole church to grow together and to be built up as one body And then lastly, we see the purpose here given to the church through the teaching ministry, through the teaching gifts. And we see that emphasis is laid on teaching. 
and you're not going to grow on unhealthy little food. You're going to grow as a Christian as you feed on the meat of God's word that is taught in you. And as you begin to apply the Bible in your life. And so there's no substitute to the ministry of the word that is given to the church. There's nothing else that can deliver the people of God from immaturity. But it's only through the word of God. It is the teaching ministry of the church that will protect, that will guard the flock of God against every wind of doctrine, against the treachery of men, against the craftiness of human deceitfulness. I tell you, as you submit yourself to solid doctrinal teaching, you'll be able to identify the error and expose it. I encourage you to be so acquainted with the truth that error becomes obvious. And as a child of God, you need to be prepared to stand against error. Unless you're prepared, unless you study, you read the word of God, you'll not be able to withstand. You'll be easily swayed away. And as a mature Christian, if you mature as a Christian, you're able to withstand with whatever life brings. So that you can say as Paul, when you were a child, you spoke like a child, you acted like a child, you reasoned like a child, but now you've become a man. And you put away childish things. See, that is maturity. Whatever life brings, you as a rich, mature Christian, you can stand firm and resolute because you're God's child. You're no longer swayed to and fro. You stand firm upon the word of God. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you may help us to grow and to mature in the most holy faith. I grant your people growth in their knowledge of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grant them growth in their grace so that they may be able to stand against human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes. They may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the evil one propagated through men. Pray that you may continue to help us as we worship you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.